0: But I just want to say, uh, as we've gone through this so far, there are a couple of things that I really feel God has kind of put on our hearts, put on my heart definitely, and I'm hoping he's put on yours. The first one is the the kind of connection between God's sovereignty and human responsibility. And Nehemiah's reaction to a big problem was, first of all, to go and spend time praying and seeking God. But it wasn't, wasn't good enough just to do that he also knew he had some responsibility and he went and did something about what was going on as well. So that's the first one. And the second thing I really felt that God's been speaking about is playing our small part in the bigger picture. And I want to read a, a, a kind of parable, really. It's a bit of a, you, you might well have heard it. It's, it's quite a famous parable. But I think it really is apt for this story. It says, consider the story of two stonemasons. You walk up to the first stonemason and ask, do you like your job? He looks up at you and replies, "Ah, I've been building this wall for as long as I can remember. The work is monotonous. I work in a scorching hot sun all day. The stones are heavy and lifting them day after day can break my back. I'm not even sure that this project will be completed in my lifetime, but it's a job, it pays the bills. So you thank him and walk on. About 30 feet away, you walk up to a second stonemason and ask him the same question, do you like your job? He looks up and replies, I love my job. I'm building a cathedral. Sure, I've been working on this wall for as long as I can remember, and yes, the work is sometimes monotonous, I work in a scorching hot all day. The stones are heavy, and lifting them day after day can be back-breaking. I'm not even sure the project will be completed in my lifetime, but I'm building a cathedral which will bring glory to God. And do you know what? That is, that's what we're going to be talking about today. We want to be in a church that is building unto the glory of God. And actually, sometimes in our kind of society, we can very much become very individualistic. And life can get monotonous and boring and hard because we kind of just are looking down at our feet all the time and saying, at least I'm paying my bills. But actually, if as individuals we have this vision of something bigger, the glory of God, then it breathes life into that work. And it might still be boring, it might still be monotonous, but we know we're doing it unto the glory of God. Amen? Amen. So, I'm going to ask our um, readers to come up. Hopefully you all know that you're coming up. And uh, this is an experiment. We'll see how it works. I'm going to give a couple of you a microphone. We've got enough space here? Can we all fit up? Can you be a microphone holder? Now, I'll be honest, talking about monotonous, this is quite a long chapter, and, and there's a lot of names, and I was thinking, how can I stop this from being monotonous? So I thought I'd, <laughs> I'd get as many people up to take part in it as possible. So we'll see how it goes. I'm just gonna talk to the choir a second. Right, I don't want any prima donnas. I don't want anyone like taking too much time. We're gonna go through it, and uh, don't worry about pronouncing the names really correctly. Just do it confidently and they'll all believe you.
1: Then Eliashib, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the Sheep Gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and the Tower of Hananel. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and
2: beyond them was Zachar, son of Imri.
3: The fish gate was built by the sons of Aseniah. They laid the beams, set up the doors, and installed its bolts and bars.
2: Merimuth, son of Uriah, and grandson of Hazok, no, Hakoz, repaired the next section of wall.
4: Beside him were Meshallam, son of Berechiah, and the grandson of Meshazabel, and the Zadok, son of Bainah. Next were the people of Tekoa
5: though their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. <laughs>
6: <laughs> the old city gate was repaired by Joada son of Passiah, and Meshullam son of Besodia. They laid the beams, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars.
7: Next to them were Melatiah from Gibeon, Jaden from Meranoth, people from Gibeon, and people from Mizpah the headquarters of the governor of the province west of the Euphrates River.
1: Next was Uziel, son of Hariah, a goldsmith by trade, who also worked on the wall.
2: Beyond him was Henaniah, a manufacturer of perfumes. They left out a section of Jerusalem and they built the broad wall.
3: Raphael, son of Hur, the leader of half of the district of Jerusalem, was next to them on the wall.
2: Next, Jediah, son of Haramath, repaired the wall across from his own house. And next to him was Hattush, son of Hashabniah.
4: <laughs> then came Malkijah, son of Harim, and Hashab, son of Pahath-Moab, who repaired another section of the wall and the tower of the ovens.
5: Shalom, son of Halohesh, and his daughters repaired the next section. He was the leader of the other half of the district of Jerusalem.
6: The valley gate was repaired by the people from Zanoah, led by Hanan. They set up its doors and installed its bolts and bars. They also repaired the 1,500 feet of wall to the Dung
7: Gate. The Dung Gate was repaired by Malkajah, son of Rachab, the leader of the Beth Hakkarim district. He rebuilt it, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars.
1: The fountain gate was repaired by Shalom, son of Colosser, the leader of the Mizpah district. He rebuilt it, roofed it, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Then he repaired the wall of the pool of Siloam near the king's garden, and he rebuilt the wall as far as the stairs that descend from the city of David.
2: Next to him was Nehemiah, son of Asbach. The leader of the half district of Befzur. He built the wall from a place across from the tombs of David's family, as far as the water reser- reservoir and the house of the warriors.
3: Next to him, repairs were made by the group of Levites working under the supervision of Rehum, son of Bani.
2: Then came Hashabiah, the leader of half the district of Kyla half of his own district
4: next down the line were his countrymen son of Benui, son of Henadad, led by Benui, son of Henadad, the leader of the other half of the district of Kaliah next to them Isa, son of
5: Jeshua the leader of Mizpah repaired another section of the wall across from the ascent to the armory near the angle in the wall
6: to him was Barak, son of Zabai, who zealously repaired an additional section from the Angle to the door of the house of Eliashib, the high priest.
7: Merimoth, son of Uriah and grandson of Hakoz, rebuilt another section of the wall, extending from the door of Eliashib's house to the end of the house.
1: The next repairs were made by the priests from the surrounding region. After them, Benjamin and Hashab repaired the section across from their house and Azariah, son of Messiah and grandson of Ananiah repaired the section across from his house. Next was
2: Beninu, Beninu, Beninu son of Hendad who built another section of the wall from Azariah's house to the angle on the corner.
3: Bahal, son of Yuzah, carried on work from point opposite the angle and tower that projects up from the king's upper house beside the court of the guard.
2: Next to him were Padiah, son of Parosh, 26 with the temple servants living on the hill of Ophel, who repaired the wall as far as a point across from the water gate to the east and the projecting tower.
4: Then came the people of Tekoa, who repaired another section across from the great projecting tower and over to the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the
5: priest repaired the wall. Each one repaired the section immediately across from his own house.
6: Next, Zadok son of Immer also rebuilt the wall across from his own house, and beyond him (coughs) was Shemaiah son of Shekaniah, the gatekeeper of the east gate.
7: Next Hananiah son of Shelemiah and Hanan, the sixth son of Zelaph, repaired another section. While Meshalem, son of Berechiah, rebuilt the wall across from where he lived.
1: Malkijar, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the wall as far as the housing for the temple servants and merchants, across from the inspection gate. Then he continued as far as the upper room at the corner.
2: The other goldsmiths and merchants repaired the wall from the corner to the sheep gate.
0: The yeah. yeah. end. Yeah. Well done. Wow, 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 wow. There you go. The public reading of Scripture is actually a really valuable thing, and sometimes we have to kind of go for it, but thank you very much for doing that. Who found that interesting? Who's ever read that before? You're going to hear some amazing things today, so I want to ask Dan to come up. And I'd love to pray for him because I really felt um, that there's, a, there's something prophetic about what he wants to bring. And, and so I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit will just come and fill him, equip him for this moment, if that's all right. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Dan. I thank you for how you speak to him. And I pray as he speaks to us, uh, Lord, we'd have ears to hear what you're saying. I pray, give him clarity of mind, Lord. And uh, we pray that you'd uh, just help us. Just know what you're saying and take it on board in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
8: Amen. Is this on? Can you hear me? Oh, I got my clicker. Can you hear me, guys? Yep. Brilliant. I'm just going to throw these other things on the floor. So, first of all, thank you so much to those guys for reading. You know, I am not good with names, and those kind of names would really stump me. So I'm really glad I did not have to read that passage. Um... So, yeah, Nehemiah 3, Builders of the Wall. So that was an incredibly long list. Now, some of us like lists, don't we? I know my wife, she loves a list. Um, She loves to-do lists. She loves thank-you lists, shopping lists, Christmas lists, reminder lists, packing lists. All over the house, often, I'll find these little random bits of paper dotted around. And I'll say to Claire, oh, do you still need this one? Or can I bin it? Or put it in the recycling. Um... But you know what? Lists are sometimes really helpful. And, but often when I'm reading the Bible, um, I get to these chapters or these sections, and I just think, what is that all about? You know, God, why did you put that there? But actually, you know, it's a, it's a really helpful thing. And, uh, and so... Yeah, I've just lost my place already. <laughs> um, so, th- so these guys, you know, they were working on the walls. So the church was walking through. As a church, we um, have been through maybe a time a bit like that, where um, we've seen kind of areas being kind of dismantled, and um, and things have not been so certain. And when we're often uh, faced with opposition, my natural instinct is often to withdraw, you know, to pull back. And these guys, um, they had to respond differently. There's so much that we can learn from this list, where God is highlighting and teaching us and how people work together under Nehemiah's direction to bring about change to the situation that they were faced with. The passages to date that we have looked at in Nehemiah, you know, they focus mainly upon him. But this passage is different in that it focuses very much on the people themselves. So what does this chapter retell tell us, you know, about the people? And I felt like God kind of highlighted four different areas to me, um, about the people that he's, kind of heart, that, that he's kind of put on my heart. And interestingly enough, so much of this was actually already kind of covered um, in the prayer meeting the other week. And part of me went away thinking, oh my goodness, that's my whole preach in this prayer meeting. I'm going to have to go home and change it all. But then as I kind of reflecting it, re- reflected on it, I just, I, I kind of thought, actually, you know what? Maybe this is really what God is saying to us as a church in this time. And actually we need to kind of take stock And part of me this morning morning is just reiterating some of what has already um, been said and what God is already saying to the church. And so, um, oh, that was my picture about lists. (laughs) So God, I feel, is really talking to us very much about unity. And we can really see this from this passage, you know, it talks so much about unity, about community and family, and already this morning as well, um, Ruth kind of picked up on that in our worship time, where she um, highlighted the fact, you know, that we are here as God's family. You know, the people, they worked collectively to carry out building the entire wall of Jerusalem, through this work. And there were words in that passage, if we were to go back and study it um, carefully, where it said, next to him, or adjacent, or adjoining to. And so the people were very much, like physically, they were there, um, kind of going about the work, but they were very much kind of adjoined to one another. So they were living in close proximity to one another, a bit like, obviously, we do here. Some of them had houses along the wall, and, but others had to travel to assist with the repairs. And I'm not going to read out loads of the names again because I probably won't be able to um, uh, pronounce them very well. But, you know, some of them had, uh, you know, they, their local kind of community was very much around the wall. And that's a bit like us here at City Hope Church. You know, some of us maybe were born in this area, and you've lived here your entire life. This community that, that we're in, this is, you know, part of the wall that we are building, um, but others of us have come from far, off, you know, far off fields from other countries, and um, and you know we're represented by many folk, and so they clearly they worked as a team um, within the wider community, um, th- you know they didn't work in isolation, and we can really kind of picture that as as it went from kind of one group of one family to the next family. They were all there working very much together with what God and what Nehemiah was um, kind of calling them to do. They also worked, you know, as fathers and sons. It lists, um, you know, fathers, sons and daughters. Every one of them played a part. You know, in Ephesians it describes how we are being built together as one body. And uh, there's a a passage um, in Ephesians 2.19 that says... Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is being joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. You know, that is the amazing thing. We are all here together as a family, being built together as God's church, as his representation here on earth. The picture of the city being rebuilt can also be mirrored in the Bible as the rebuilding of the temple. You know, God himself is building the church with Jesus as the cornerstone. Um, And we, his people. So, just like the builders of the wall, we should um, also be eager to reflect this in our community um, and in the families around us. And that is very much our heart. And that's, you know, um, very much what, you know, one of the, the aspects that we were praying about. We were talking about it in our kind of gospel life series as well. It was one of the things that came up in some of those notes that we want to be a close knit family, we want to have those strong relationships. And that was clear from, um, from what was uh, represented in that, in that, in that passage. The next, the next point, the next thing that um, God put in my heart was the whole thing around diversity. We need to know our position on the wall, don't we? We need to know who we are. Each of those guys, they had a different role the people were all positioned on, on different um, points of the wall. And I thought it would be good for us to just do a really quick exercise. It's going to have to be super fast. Um, so maybe if you could just raise your hands if one of these things applies to you. So if you've ever worked in sales or retail, could you put your hand up? Oh, lots of people. If you've ever been a store buyer or a shop assistant, put your hand up. Or a trader of any kind, or if you worked on a market stall, or you've been a city trader, yeah. Um, Or if you're an eBay entrepreneur, have you got any eBay entrepreneurs amongst us? Yep, I know there are a few, definitely, always out there for a bargain. So you guys are like the merchants that are highlighted in verse 32. You know, it says, um, "Between the room and the corner, um, and and the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants made their repairs." So the merchants were there, you know, doing their repairs. That includes you. So have you ever worked... Have you got any people here who've ever worked for the council? Yeah? The government? Have you ever been a school governor? A head teacher? A police officer? A lawyer? A judge? Or a doctor? I saw, you know, a number of hands going up. So you guys are a bit like the rulers. You know, those who are in positions of authority that God's put out there in the world. You know, and in verse 9 and 12, um, there were some of the guys there. And again, I'm not going to waste time trying to pronounce their names, but they also um, were listed there. You know, some of them um, looks, after, looks after half the district of Jerusalem. Have we got any craftsmen here? Jewelers, builders, architects, designers? Um, or if you've ever worked in metal, Alan Chadbourne. Yes, at the top. So, you guys are like the goldsmiths in verse 8. You're the craftsmen. You are the makers. You're people who use your hands. You know, just like Uzeel. Um, He was one of the goldsmiths, and he repaired a section of the wall. Have we got any beauticians or hairdressers? John Woods? <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there, John we won't go there. Have we got any cleaners? It's always good to be, you know, you guys are like perfumers. You bring fragrance as you clean, as you refresh, as you're going about your work. It might seem mundane, but you know what? You're bringing the perfume of Christ into what you do. You know, um, have we got any people who love fine things? fine things, you know, designer clothes, the latest shoes, the latest gadgets. (laughs) So again, you're like the perfumers, you know, it was fine, it was quality, Um, it was something beautiful, Um, and God loves that too, you know. And are you a leader in the church, or an elder, are you maybe a connect group leader, a connect community leader, a worship leader, a youth leader, a children's worker, you know, you guys, we are all like the priests. That, and we were listed in verse 1, and it says, um, Eliashabib, the high, the high priest and his fellow priest, went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set the doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred. They dedicated as far as the Tower of Hanil. So as elders and leaders, we are, t- we are so not excluded from this. You know, it is very much our responsibility that we partake um, in this work and lead by, by example and personally and as a team of elders this is very much our heart and in a sense we're accountable to you in this we want to be accountable in the way that we do this that we're very much um, in the game with you finally are you a parent or a son or a daughter You know, we are all sons and daughters. We are all sons and daughters. And so those guys, they were listed, you know, the daughters in verse 12. I love this verse. It says, and I've got daughters. It says, Shalem, son of... something, Ruler of the half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. You know, we want our children to be builders of the wall of the kingdom of God. Our kids who are out there in their groups at the moment... We want them to be kids that have faith, that have those seeds of faith, that bring words of life over other, other kids in the playground. And, that, and I hope that that, kind of, um, little, that quick kind of survey gives us a sense of the diversity of the people um, that God had called um, to build his church. And we are totally the same. We are no different from those people. You know, we represent all of those guys. So can you imagine what it must have looked like to the onlookers that have passed by you know, it must have looked crazy. It must have been really chaotic, and it must have been really, really messy work. You know, all these different people going about um, what they were doing. But, you know, there was no distinction in age, um, no distinction in kind of social class um, or class. So many different levels of maturity and responsibility were, were kind of upheld there, weren't they? And different tribes were represented. And, you know, we too want to be like that, um, within the context of our church. And you know, the amazing thing is, um, I, I was kind of thinking about this and it made me think about job applications. You know, when you fill in uh, an application for a job or a CV and you've got to like tick loads of different boxes sometimes, haven't you? And like, do you have this qualification? Do you have that qualification? And um, you know, but you, the thing is, once we've committed our life to Jesus, we are qualified to partake in the building of the wall. You know, there is this big thing. There is no previous experience required at all. If you became a Christian 10 minutes ago, you are qualified to partake in building the wall of the kingdom. It doesn't matter where, um, whether, you're a Chris, whether you've been a Christian um, for decades or whether, like I say, um, it's just been a short time. You know, every stone is unique and whether we were big or small stones. And I brought along some stones to try and illustrate Now these are a bit heavy, but I better not smash up the lectern. <laughs> um, but you know what? Look, these were just found on a beach, a big stone, a smaller stone. But actually, in a bit like that illustration there, all these stones are essential um, in building the wall. They've got to interlock. You know, for the wall to stand up, for it to be impenetrable to the enemy, we've all got to play our part, however big or small that may feel. If you feel like you're a big stone, well, that's great. Fill the gap. But if you feel like, you, you know, whatever you've got, whatever God has given you, whatever your life experience, all of those things are valuable. These big, big stones aren't going to stand up in the wall on their own. They need the support of the smaller stones to fit into the gaps, um, to hold the whole thing up. So we should not be defined by our earthly role or our job title. You know, we're all partakers in the work, both physically but also supernaturally. Not only positioned in the community but also in other parts of the city. You know, we work in um, offices, in homes, in schools, in colleges, and God has put us out there in the world. It's in our our broken parts that we've been commissioned by Jesus and, and we've been given authority to rebuild. Our work is primarily outside these walls as a church. You know, this is a great building, and it's fantastic when we're here together, worshipping Jesus together. But actually, in seeing the kingdom further established, our work is very much on the outside. And recently, within the Catalyst Network, we've been encouraged to step into our calling and the areas that God has positioned us in. And it's not coincidental that we find ourselves um, in the positions that we've been given we can be confident in those things. And you know, it says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. You know? So wherever God has put you today is part of His plan and His purpose for you. So through their diversity, we're all included in this work. Our call is to set up and to challenge and not to be, afra- be afraid. Um, but to get our hands dirty. And that also leads me to my next point. You know, God is calling us to get our hands dirty, and it was dirty work building a wall. So humility. So we need to look for the gap. I'm really sorry it's already 12 (laughs) o'clock, but I'm going to persevere through. Um, So we need to look for the gap. Um, So, you know, whether it's in our neighbourhood or in our workplaces... They found themselves doing the things they'd not been specifically trained for. Um, you know, and so to complete the wall, um, these guys had to maybe do things that didn't always look very attractive. You know, some parts of them, some, some of the guys, they worked on the dungate. They had to forego things, maybe. You know, they, they, it was not attractive work. Whoops, am I just, sorry. Ah. Um, it wasn't prestigious work working on the dung gate, but it was, an, it was a requirement. You know, they kind of had to humble themselves in that moment, in that time, um, to do it. <clears throat> you know, I've had to do it in my own life at times where I've thought, God, why are you doing this? I don't understand. Um, you know, why are you allowing me to do this? And uh, there have been times where work has been much harder and more, more um, kind of, just hasn't, you know, been that, that, that fruitful. And I've literally just had to kind of resign to doing simple alterations for people or repairs to garments. I'm a fashion designer. And sometimes I'd I'd say to God, look, this is not what I've been trained for. You know, I'm a designer. Um, But often in these things, you know, we need to keep ourselves humble um, because that is how God works. And Denise brought a word, you know, um, a few weeks ago. And again, we refer to it in the prayer meeting. It's often... You know that we have to to get be willing to get our hands dirty, Um, because people you know around us situations are maybe going to be complicated. They're going to be frustrating, and we might think, well, actually, God, you know, that's not what I should be doing. But actually, God is calling us to do that. He wants to soften us, and you know, Jesus is our ultimate mirror. He is the ultimate mirror of humility, um, in what he did. Um, His service was always. Putting the other person first, and he did just that. He'd always look for the gap. You know, when the beggar was there, when the lame, when he came across the lame man, he would stop, and he wasn't just kind of going on with his thing. And as a church, that is very much our heart. So we want to humble ourselves, um, therefore, under God's hand, under His mighty power, that He might lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety onto Him, for He cares for you. So as we look to fill the gaps in the wall with what we have been given, he will strengthen us um, to do what is needed. And then my final kind of point was around eternity. You know, we want to build something that has a legacy. We want to build something that is long-lasting, <laughs> that has living stones. You know, through our labour, we have been called to receive, this, um, to revive the stones and the and the sorry, the stones and the gates, out of heaps of rubbish. You know, through our prayer and our intercession, that is what we've been called to do. Every time we pray, every time we seek God, every time we look to him, every time we cry out, every time we stop for someone in the street, every time we we notice the person kind of at the back of the room who maybe feels unloved or lonely, every time we do that, we are building, we're putting another brick in the wall. And it may seem insignificant. It may seem like, God, that is not what I've been called to do. My, my kind of um, life mission is this. Why am I doing this here? But, you know, that is God's heart for us. And we want to build something that is eternal, that has a legacy. You know, these guys, they made something out of nothing, out of the brokenness of our lives, and our imperfections, and our charred remains. They laid scattered on the ground. But God is calling us to build. And I just wanted to touch on this passage in Isaiah because it really illustrates this so clearly. It says um, in Isaiah 61, verse 4, They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. You know, it's easy um, for us to think about kind of um, the physical jobs very often you know that we've got to build this big structure this big tower and it's a huge task and we're kind of bound up by that in our minds but actually you know with God's strength with his power he will give give us everything that we need you know he will strengthen us to carry out this work he will give us the tools we need to carry out this work but we need to make ourselves available to do it and to do it in his strength now you know i've kind of rushed through that this morning um, in a way, but I really feel like God is kind of um, continuing to impress that on us. You know, these were some of the themes that came up within our kind of gospel life and, and very much at the prayer meeting. And so we really want God to embed in us that kind of, um, that sense of unity, of togetherness, of family. We come against kind of that independence. I think that word was, was mentioned today. We want to see, we want to be strong. We want people to notice and that we are different because we stand side by side as we build the wall. We want to be that diverse um, people, that diverse generation that come against fear. Fear of people who are different to us. Fear of people who um, are from a different, completely different background. Maybe that's you this morning. You feel like that. We want to come humbly. We want to stand against pride. We don't want to allow the enemy to make us think, you know what, we should be a church of a thousand we are here. God has called us here at this moment. And so let's just continue to humble ourselves in the work that he has given us. It's great to have those ambitions. Of course, we want to be a church of a thousand, but that's not what drives us. You know, that's not the driving force. We just continue to humble ourselves before our King and he will enable us to build. And the other thing is finally, you know, we're building for eternity. And our destiny has been changed because we have accepted Christ as our saviour and our king. And so if you've heard me speak today and you don't yet know that Jesus, and you don't yet think, actually I'm not a Christian, therefore I can't partake in this work, but I really want to, then can I just encourage you to speak to a friend or uh, a leader um, or someone at the end of this service who could just really um, uh, pray for you and explain more about who this king Jesus is, who this king is, that we're here, building this wall together as his church.